Greetings, beloved in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Greetings, beloved in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Are we glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? <clears throat> the psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. <clears throat> I'm also glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm even more excited about this year. Amen. Are we all excited about the new year? Amen. Amen. Because even people of this world, when it's a new year, they just expect something new. Something better. Something greater. Amen. And we are also expected. Because our God is a great God. Amen. And as we've started last week sharing with you about the theme for the year... <clears throat> I will uh, continue along the same lines just to encourage us to be very much expectant of what God is going to do among us. Amen. It's good to be part of what God is doing. Amen. To walk in his plan, to walk in his purpose, so that we may be part of this great move of God in the last days. Amen. As he reaches out to us, as he reaches out, for that mighty harvest and time harvest. Amen. You know, from even from the biblical times, people were keeping on saying the Lord is coming soon. So he's actually coming sooner than it has been before. Amen. So that's why even this harvest of souls, harvest of everything, it's, 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 it's being expedited so that when the master comes, he will find us ready. Amen. There are still many people out there, many souls that need to come to the kingdom. So that's why this year, let's focus on this harvest, harvest of souls, and also harvest in our own lives, whatever we've been planting for all these years. Let's go to our text scripture in John chapter 4, verse 35. <clears throat> John 4, 35 in New King James Version. Do, do you not say... There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Amen. So he says to these people, do you not say there are still four months, and then comes the harvest? So obviously, it's like they were also counting their seasons. <clears throat> Amen. Spring, summer, autumn, winter. And you know which one is the harvest season? So, he says, do you not say that there are still four months and then comes the harvest? But I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So, what is he saying with this? He is saying, even when it's harvest time, if you do not look up, you will not see it. Because sometimes we are good at looking down or looking where we are. If I were to ask each one of you, you can tell me a lot of things that you are going through, but you don't tell me where you are going. Did you get that? I say if I were to ask each one of you, you can tell me a lot of things about what you are going through, but you're not telling me where you are going. Tell your neighbor, it's more important to know where I'm going than what I'm going through. 
Because if you are going through it anyway, you are going through. It will soon be past tense. Amen. So that's why he says, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for harvest. So to me, this verse is saying, be expectant. If you look down, you won't see what I've got in store for you. Amen. Look up. Lift up your eyes. You remember when the psalmist says, I look up to the mountains from where my, hands, my, my help comes from. So I've got to look up. I can't afford to keep on looking around me because that will limit me. Amen? Even in terms of some of you, it's not because your present is bitter. Your present may still be good, but there's something better coming. So why would you settle for good when you can have something better? Amen? So when he says, look up, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. So it means some people are missing what time is it, because they are not looking up. Amen? They are looking around themselves. They are looking down and seeing what is within their vicinity. But I'm encouraging all of us, let's look up. Lift up our eyes and look in a distance and see what God has in store for you this year. Amen. Like the sons of Isaac, let's go to, <coughs> we combined it with the scripture in First Chronicles Chapter 12, verse 32. You will still use the version we used last week. Go for it. NIV. <clears throat> From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Okay. So they were choosing people from different tribes. But when they came to the tribe of Issachar, they said, these were the men who understood the times and what Israel should do. Amen. I want you to get clarity of this. Because it means there are some people who don't understand the times. There are some people who don't understand the seasons. You remember last week we were excited and saying, it's our season. Amen. When it's your season, nobody can stop you. Amen. Things that were looking impossible in time past, when it's your moment, it's your moment. Amen. So he says, the, from the tribe of Issachar, these were the men who understood times and knew what Israel should do. So there are two things there. One, the understanding of times or the understanding of seasons. And also the understanding of what should be done. Amen. Because you may understand the times. You may hear this is the year of plentiful harvest, but don't know what to do. Amen. They understood times and they also knew what Israel should do at a particular point in time. Amen. So for me, when this is the year of plentiful harvest, I understand the time. I understand the moment. And I also know what to do. Because if it's harvest time, then I must be a ready harvester. Whether it's about the souls, 
or whether it's about the seeds that we've been planting for all these years. Some of you are very good sowers. You've been planting seeds all these years. You hear the Bible talking about a hundredfold return, but you say, I haven't seen that. The Lord is saying, this is the year of plentiful harvest. So even the harvest that you were supposed to get some years back, claim it now. Amen. 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 It's time. Amen. Amen. And when we understand the time, we should also understand what should be done at such a time. Because there is a season for everything. Remember the preacher says, what the preacher says, Ecclesiastes? He says there is a season for everything. So what season is it in your life? You may be saying, for me, it's a dark moment. It's a bad season. Then for you, I will say, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So lift up your eyes. So even if you think the season that I'm going through now is not what I want to see. Yes, that's fine. Look forward. Amen. You also need to know what we need to do. When we understand the times, we also need to know what should be done. So it means when is the year of plentiful harvest, we can't forget to keep on sowing. Because if you go to Genesis 8.22, good news, Genesis 8.22, GNT, Genesis 8.22, I want you to understand that this is the law that the Lord has made. That as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest time. Amen? Amen. As long as the earth remains, those moments will always be there. Just read it. Good news. 822 Genesis. As long as the world exists, there will be a time for planting and a time for harvest. There will always be cold and heat summer and winter, day and night. Okay. Did you hear that? So if, as long as the earth remains, there will always be time for seed time or for planting and time for harvest, what does it say to those who don't plant? Because if there is time for planting, and there is time for harvest. You can't expect to harvest when you are not planting. Isn't it? Isn't it? Any of you who see, okay, do you know that sometimes when we are traveling around or moving around, most of these lands that the politicians are fighting about, some of them are owned by farmers. And you pass through there, you see a very nice harvest. Why don't you just go in and harvest? Because you didn't plant it, it's not yours. Amen? So some of you, you will look at us and see us like farmers. Amen? Having a lot to harvest. And you will be wishing it were your harvest. Plant your seed. So that when it's time to harvest, you also know, I also have a field. Amen? There is something that the Lord, that, that in the kingdom, I've also been planting even in the kingdom. Amen? By the way, when it's time for harvest, let's go to, we also read this one last week. We'll read it and then connect to what we need to talk about today. It's, uh, we are going to, 
because the last week one is it's Galatians chapter 6 about uh, planting and juice is in for reaping, juice is in for harvesting. Galatians chapter 6. Let's go for it. Make no mistake about it. Just tell them it's Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. <coughs> yeah, you can either start it from 7 or start from 6. Okay, you can start from 7 if we are doing New King James, but if you are doing the Passion, let's start it from 6. <coughs> and those who are taught the word must share all good things with their teacher. A sharing of that's, wealth... That's the Passion translation. Mm -hmm. yes. <coughs> A sharing of wealth take place between them. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Okay. Make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. Because some of you are excited at the year of plentiful harvest, but you've got nothing to harvest. He says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. In other words, you can't deceive God. Okay? You know you can deceive people. Huh? It's easy to deceive people, isn't it? That's why we've got Christians who pretend, even in these last days. But you cannot deceive God. So he says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. Mm -hmm. For what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Mm. The harvest you reap, you reap reveals the seed that was planted. Listen to that. He says the harvest you reap reveals the seed that you planted. planted. Now, he's going to tell us something that some of us we don't like. Because it's not that when it's the time for harvest, you only harvest good things. If you've been planting bad things, it's also time for harvest. Isn't it? Mm. So I said last week when I was advising some of you, if you've got a lot that you were planting which is bad and this is the year of harvest, pray for the Lord's mercy and get a crop failure. It can still fail, isn't it? Yeah. Just as much as a good, a good, uh, something good that you've planted and it was growing and then all of a sudden comes the drought and then you don't reap, you don't harvest. So it means even the bed that maybe you've been planting, you could say, Lord, be merciful unto me. I don't want to reap what I've been sowing. So there you need mercy because actually you deserve to reap what you were sowing. But you can say, Lord, be merciful unto me that I don't reap what I've been sowing. I'm not happy about what I've been sowing. I want to reap a good harvest. So I'm going to start planting a good seed. Read it further. <clears throat> if, you, if you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. Okay, there is a harvest called a harvest of corruption. It's a harvest called the harvest of corruption. Yeah, because you've been planting in the self, in the natural, in the 
carnal things. Mm -hmm. If you plant the good seeds yes. of spirit life, mm. you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. I think we all like this one, isn't it? Mm. So let's plant the good seed. Mm. Mm -hmm. Continue. And don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you have planted is coming. Okay. So he says, those of you who have been planting good seeds, don't get weary. Do you know that sometimes you do good, you pray, you give in the kingdom, you do all the good things. And you start saying, but it seems nothing is happening. And you start getting discouraged. He says, those of you who have been planting good seeds... Don't be discouraged. Read it again. Don't allow yourself. And don't allow yourself to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. Mm -hmm. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you have, you have planted is coming. Amen. Tell your neighbor, the time is coming to harvest my good harvest. All the good seeds that you've been planting. He says, don't get weary. Some of you may find that you've been good sowers, good planters, but you're almost getting tired. So he says, don't get weary, for the time is coming. You just need to look up, lift up your eyes, and see. So what we are going to connect this with, it's what I want to share with you today. Because we talked about understanding the times, like the sons of Isaac, who understood times and also understood what to do. So when it's the year of plentiful harvest, I hear the word expectation, which we talked about last week and even now when we're talking about lifting up our eyes. I hear the word planting and sowing, sowing and reaping, planting, sowing, uh, keeping on sharing the gospel with others so that when it's the year of harvest, then we'll have something to harvest. But I also hear the word determination. That's what I want to share with you about today. As you are looking forward to your harvest. Because sometimes it's not as if the enemy will just let you in into your harvest. Okay? Mm. The enemy will not just let you in into your harvest. That's why even for all these years, he's been robbing us of our harvest. But this year we are determined more than ever to claim what is ours. Tell your neighbor, I'm determined more than ever to claim what is mine. Amen. So all this is, that's why I was even saying, when the Lord was sharing this message with me, I got excited. Do you know that we also had a lot of crusades for many years. And after that, you don't see much harvest. And he said, this is the year to harvest that. And then I'm even more encouraged. Amen. Because sometimes you look, you say, but what did we get for that seed, for that which we planted there? We can only count it in one hand. But now... When the Lord shared with me the word that he shared with me in 2016 in the 21 days of prayer and fasting, he shared it with me again, end of this last year, preparing us for this theme for this year. And then he reminded me all these things. Even about this 
great move of God in the last days with the wind on our back propelling us to reach our destinies quicker, to achieve things quicker because we've got this move of God behind us because we are flowing in the direction of the Lord. And he also said to me, for those that are going in the opposite direction, imagine you are going against the current, very strong current. You will not make it. Amen? You will be blown flat. That's why we don't have to spend a lot of time trying to, to contend with false doctrines. We've got to spend time focusing on the assignment at hand. Do you know that sometimes all these false doctrines and people who do bad things, sometimes we end up wasting our time because we keep on talking about what they are doing which is wrong, then we end up forgetting the assignment at hand. That's the devil's strategy. Amen. Do you get that? Focus on the assignment at hand. Tell your neighbor there is more that we need to do. So we can't afford to be looking sideways. We are focusing on the assignment. Amen. The book of Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 in the Amplified. I want you to see how the kind of spirit that you should have this year. Related to determination. As we are going for our harvest. Matthew eleven twelve in the Amplified. Because you need to know that the enemy will try his best to block you from your inheritance. You know exactly what is yours. And you know this is what the Lord has promised me. But somehow the enemy seems to be blocking it. And what do you do? And from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. And violent men seize it by force. How do people get it? By force. And those are the violent people who seize it by? Force. force. Mm. Uh -huh. As a precious price, mm. a share in the heavenly kingdom mm. is sought with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. Hmm. When last did you have that ardent zeal and intense exertion? Hmm? There's something that the Lord shared with me last night. And I'll share that scripture with you. After that, I just went and had time of this intense zeal, intense exertion. Where you go there in your intercession, you go there and say, this has got to happen. I'm going to stand for this. I'm trusting God for this. I'm standing my ground for this. The kingdom of God has been suffering violence and the violent man sees it by force as a precious price. So if you know something is precious and it's rightfully yours, fight for it. Fight for it in the spiritual realm. When other people are fighting in the natural, you know where to win it. Amen? You win it in the spiritual. I'll share the example with you that the Lord shared with me. Let's go to the book of Genesis. This blessed my heart. I want to share with you. 
Some of you know about Jacob. Most of us know about Jacob. The first part we know about it is that he tricked his brother of the birthright. Isn't it? Mm. So in essence, he stole the birthright of his brother. He cheated his brother out of his birthright. Now, what happened is that after that, he knew that his brother was now angry and his brother could even kill him. So the mother arranged that he runs away to Laban, who was, the, who was his uncle. And he ran away and he went there. He grew up there and spent many years there. He even married there. He even had wives there and children there. But then, the time to go back and face Esau came. And this is the story we are going to read about. So when it was time, imagine. You've cheated somebody. Now you've got to face that person. And you know he's more powerful than you. So Jacob here even risked death. Okay? But look what do you do when you are faced with something that is beyond you. Tell your neighbor, what do you do when you are faced with something that is beyond you? Because usually when it's some things that you can handle, sometimes we think when you are facing a challenge, you think, okay, I'll put that one there, that one there, and that one there. That's easy. What is more difficult, it's when you don't know what to do. You remember 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12? When Jehoshaphat was facing armies that were much, much more than his. Much, much more stronger than his. He says, Lord... We do not know what to do, but our eyes are not looking down. Our eyes are upon you. Amen. Amen. That's what you do when you are facing something that is beyond you. You don't look down because you will crumble. You will sink. Look up. Amen. So Genesis chapter 32. From verse 3 to 13 in the Amplified. And then we will go 21 to 31. So those of you taking notes, Genesis 32, 3 to 13, Amplified, and then 21 to 31, Amplified. But I want us to take this journey together. And you see what to do when you are facing something that is beyond you. You need a certain level of determination. Amen. You need that, that spirit that since the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been suffering violence and the violent man sees it by force as a precious prize. It's something that you say, this is mine and I cannot afford not to have it. So listen to this. Genesis 32, verse 13. 3 to 13, Amplified. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, Say this to my lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says this, I have been living temporarily with the band and have stayed there till now. And I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, men servants, and women servants. And I have sent to tell my lord, 
that I may find mercy and kindness in your sight. Okay, this is what you need when you have done something wrong. You look for mercy. You don't try and debate. Okay? You remember I told some of you that even if your seed hasn't been good, you don't try and justify it. You plead for mercy. I'm sorry, forgive me. I can't change it. For some of the things that some of you have done, you are even ashamed of those. But you can't change it. So instead of getting the punishment that you rightfully deserve, you plead for mercy. You remember the other time I explained to you the difference between grace and mercy. I said grace, it's, you see grace and mercy is two sides of the same coin. Okay, you know a coin, head or tail. Now, both grace and mercy are two sides of God's love. Okay? So one side is the side that says, there are a lot of good things that God has in store. A lot of things that are so good that even if you don't deserve them, God wants to give them to you anyway. That is grace. Unmerited favor. Okay? But the other side is what is called mercy. <laughs> Imagine if we only had grace and there was no mercy. Mercy says, because I love these people, even if they have done something that deserves severe punishment, I will deny them the punishment they rightfully deserve. In other words, in grace, you are getting something you don't deserve. In mercy, you are being denied something you rightfully deserve. But both of them are working for your advantage. Because imagine if you were to be rewarded according to your deeds. Some of the things you don't want to remember them anymore. Isn't it? You need the Lord's mercy. So this is what Esau is saying. He says, just re repeat that. And he commanded them saying this, say this to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says this. I have been living temporarily with Laban and have stayed there till now. And I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, men servants, and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find mercy and kindness in your sight. You see, he's not trying to debate that, by the way, remember Esau, when I took your birthright, it was because you wanted my, my those, what, what was that? It wasn't it. I think we're defining it. Okay, let's use the term stew. Yeah, but it was something beyond the stew. So, he could have tried to reason it. Isn't it? But you don't try and reason when you are at fault. Plead for mercy. Then you disarm the person who you are at loggerheads against. Okay? So he says, uh, may I find mercy? And kindness in your sight. Mm -hmm. And the messengers returned to Jacob saying, We came to your brother Esau and now he is on the way to meet you. And 400 men are with him. <laughs> okay. Something is starting to brew here. You're going to meet somebody that you are afraid of. Now you hear, yeah, we went there, we talked with him. Hey, he's coming with 400 men. He is coming with how many? Do you need 400 men just to meet me if you are coming in peace? 
Why do you come with 400 men when I'm coming for peace? And remember, Jacob, it was Jacob, his two wives, his two concubines, and the, the 11 sons. The 12th one was not there yet. Now, 400 men plus Esau are coming. <laughs> Listen to Jacob's response. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Okay. Wouldn't you be like that also? Imagine, you just thought, because I asked for mercy. I've even said, I even have presents. So what he did, he was trying to be good. So he even prepared some presents and put the presents ahead of him. To say, my Lord Esau, you will get all this. All these camels, all these cattle. That's your present from your servant. You are my Lord Esau. You saw even how he referred to him. My Lord Esau. And yet the man is coming with 400 men. And then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Now, I want to ask you this question. How do you face your Esau? Amen. Your Esau can be anything that you are afraid of. Anything that you know, I don't have enough power to win against it. Some of them are even system machineries that are against you. Things that are against you that you cannot overcome. So we must learn from Jacob, how do you face your Esau? Amen. He was afraid, but he did end there. Continue. And he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the heads and the camels into two groups, mm -hmm. thinking, if Esau comes to one group and smites it, then the other group which is left will escape. Okay. So he wasn't even thinking, let's divide in two groups and have a strategy for war. He is thinking, Let's divide into two groups just to have a strategy for survival. We divide into two groups so if he kills one half, then the other one will run away. Did you see that? But I want you to look going down. Now this man, he knew how to face an Esau. When you are afraid of an Esau, don't face Esau before you face God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, when you are afraid of an Esau, Never face Esau before facing God. Now you will see what Jacob is about to do. And when you face God, God deals with an Esau. And when you reach where Esau is, and you will see how kind Esau will deal with you. Listen, continue. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham. Now he was praying. Did you hear that? Mm. He knows I'm going to face an Esau. I'm going to face my Esau, but I cannot face Esau before facing God. O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your people and I will do you good. Okay. What did God say to you? What did you have in your heart about what God will do for you this year? Now, the enemy doesn't want you to have that. You need to go before God and say, Lord, what you told me 
This is what Esau is say, what Jacob is saying. He knows he may be killed, but he says, but Lord, you said something. You said I must return to my country. And when I come back here, you will do me good. Amen. 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 In other words, you are taking this word that God has promised you something so that the, even when the natural circumstances are against you, you are not moved by what you see. You are moved by what God has said. Amen. You know Esau may kill you. You are afraid that Esau may kill you. You are afraid of what you are about to face. But you say, I go to God first. He said, oh my God, father of Abraham, father of Jacob, my father, God of my father Jacob, God of my father, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord who said to me, return to your country and your people and I will do you good. So he was starting to feel, but God, what you promised me and what seems to be happening are contrary. I want you to get this. Because you know what God has said. You know what God has promised you. Some of you, you love God so much. You've been praying. You've been doing everything right. But it looks like an Esau, you are afraid of Esau. You are afraid of Esau. As you, are, as you are approaching your harvest, you are afraid of Esau. So he says, God, you said to me, return to your country and to your people and I will do you good. Now, if I have to be killed, that's not being done good. Because some of you, when you face Esau, you say, Lord, whatever your will, Esau will kill you. Tell your neighbor, when you face your Esau, you don't say, Lord, whatever your will. Because Esau will kill you. So you need to tell God what he said. That's his will. He reminds God. He says, God, you said I must return to my country and to my people and you will do me good. So in other words, he's saying what I see and what you told me, they seem to be contrary. But I'm believing you. Continue reading. I am not worthy of the list of all the mercy and loving kindness and all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff, I passed over this Jordan long ago, and now I have become two companies. Mm -hmm. Deliver me, I pray you. So what was he praying for? Deliverance from Esau. Okay? He doesn't say, Lord, whatever your will. He says, Lord, you told me that you will do me good. It's like some of you, maybe you are feeling sick in your body. You say, but Lord, you said you are the Lord, my healer. You said you are my healer. You said by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I am healed. And this sickness is, is telling me something contrary to what you have said. Okay? Lord, you said you bless the works of my hands, but things seem to be falling apart. This is contrary to what you have said. God watches over his word to fulfill it. Okay. He says, deliver me, I pray. Uh -huh. From the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. Okay. He says, for I fear him. I said, 
You can take your ESO, anything that you are afraid of, you can take that as your ESO. So how do you face your fears? How do you face your ESO? Went to God. God, I know what you told me. You said I must return and when I come, things will be well with me. You said you supply all my needs according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You said when I'm a tither, you will rebuke the devourer for me. You will open up windows of heaven for me and pour me out blessings that I do not have room enough to contain. So I cannot afford to be in lack. You said you are my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack. Amen. 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 Yeah, when you're still getting those letters from the lawyers threatening you about what you didn't pay, that's your ESO. But remember the promises of God. Remember what God has said. Especially when you are faithful to God. The problem is when you don't have anything that you can say, but Lord, you promised this when I do this. So if you've been doing good, don't be weary. It's harvest time. Continue reading it. Lest he come and smite us all and the mothers with the children. And you said... Okay. He's keeping on saying, and you said... Huh? Mm. How many of you know what God has said? Amen. Amen. Because some of you are wishing for a lot of things, but you don't know anything that God has said. You know a lot of things that the newspapers are saying. Did I say it's wrong to know what the newspapers are saying? No. I'm just saying it doesn't help. You can't quote any newspaper and the devil runs away. Actually, I illustrated some of the newspaper articles. Amen. But if you say it is written, it is written. That's how Jesus, our master, conquered. We will conquer in the same way. So he keeps on saying, but you said, you said, you told me this. You said, you said in your word. So what did he say? And you said, and you said, I will surely do you good and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now imagine, if you are going to be killed with all your children and wives, is that being made multitudes? That's not. Because some of you, when you are facing your Esau, and Esau tells you things are not going to work out, you look down on your circumstances and say, indeed, it looks impossible. You don't remember what God has said. So you need to say, but Lord, you said. So he's saying, you said you will make me numerous and we will, have, we will be a multitude. Now, how do we become multitude when we are wiped off? Hmm? How do you become multitudes when you are wiped off? What are you trusting God for? What are you believing God for? Those things that you are believing God for. Keep on saying, but Lord, you said. Even when you are facing Esau, keep on saying, but Lord, you said. Amen. In other words, what God said is more real than Esau. Amen. Amen. Make the word of God more real than your circumstances. Amen. Amen. But you said. Okay? Now we'll go to 21 to 31. Because what he did then, he prepared the presents, sent people to go and give the presents ahead of him. Now he was about to meet Esau. So he prayed there already. But look, the prayer is not going to end. 
Now I'm going to come to that part of intense exertion. I said last night after the Lord shared some of these things with me, I just had time, that time of intense exertion in intercession. Where I know what I want. But Esau says, you can't get this. And then I say, you can't face Esau before you face God. And look, when you face God, sometimes it won't just be as simple. Do you know that some of your prayers, it's like you are praying for food all the time. Even when you are going to sleep. You don't have those intense exertion moments. What is it that you are believing God for? What is it that you are believing God for? Ask your neighbor, what is it that you are believing God for? <laughs> Listen to this. So the present went on before him, and he himself lodged that night in the camp. But he rose up that same night and took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons, and passed over the ford of the Jephthah. And he took them and sent them across the brook, and also he sent over all that he had. And Jacob was left alone. Okay. I want you to look at verse 24. Jacob was left alone. Can I ask you, when last were you alone with God? It's very easy to be distracted with a lot of things that are going on around us. All the busyness around us. Okay? Jacob was left alone because he knew he's going to face Esau. Continue reading. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Okay. You can see that what was happening here was not child's play. He was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. This is not God bless our food before we eat. Amen. Can you see that? Mm. So when you are going to face you are going to face your Esau, it's not time for God bless our food before we eat. Amen. Sometimes you cannot even afford to sleep. Not because you are afraid, but because you are in that intense exertion. Amen. You are saying, Lord, I need you more than ever before. On my own, I cannot make it. But I know what you have said. And Esau is trying to dispossess me of your blessing upon my life. Continue. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and Jacob's thigh was put out as a joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing upon me. Amen. When last did you wrestle with God like that? When last, ask your neighbor, when last did you wrestle with God like this? So if you haven't been facing any Esau, we understand because there is nothing that's intimidating you. But if there is something that's dispossessing you of your inheritance, you need to wrestle like this. So he says, I'm going to fight this one. I will not let you go unless you first declare a blessing upon me. You know why? 
Because if you declare a blessing upon me, I can face Esau. Because when I'm favored, I can face anything. Amen. Amen. So tell your neighbor, when God declares his blessing upon me, I can face my Esau. So encourage your, your neighbor to be militant and have that exertion. Amen. Say, I know I'm trusting God for this. But it looks like I'm afraid of Esau. It looks like things may not work out the way that I thought they would work. I heard that this is the year of plentiful harvest. But things seem to be falling apart. That's a time to be wrestling with God. Spending time in the presence of God. He says, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing on me. In other words, I will only let you go after I know that my prayer is answered. Then I can face Esau. Amen. Amen. The way some of you have been living or have been praying, we can see that you are not yet desperate. Hmm. Because you go for it as, even if it happens anyway, it's fine. Even if it doesn't happen, that's fine. That's not a militant attitude that's required in the year of harvest. Because the devil is going to rob you of your harvest day and night. You hear this is the year of plentiful harvest, but you find it's a worse year for you than any other year. Because the enemy, just as much as when God wants to do something great, the enemy will unleash his forces to also try and disprove that which God wants to do in your life. So continue. The man asked him, what is your name? And in shock of realization, whispering, he said, Jacob, supplanter, a schemer, trickster, a swindler. So when he was whispering, you see some of the things you are afraid of, it, you are ashamed of it yourself, isn't it? Mm. You can't boldly say, I'm a trickster. I'm a swindler. He said, what's your name? Whispering, he said, Jacob. Trickster. It's just between me and you. Amen. And God wants to change your name. Tell your neighbor, God wants to change your name. Amen. Amen. You're, not, you're not proud of that old name. You are not proud of that trickster. You want something in this year as you lift up your eyes. Continue. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob or supplanter, but Israel contender with God. Hmm. For, for you have Imagine your name is called contender with God. Amen. You know how to contend. Even when things were not in your favor, you make things work to your favor. Amen. Even when all odds are stacked against you, tell your neighbor, even when all odds are stacked against you, you can still contend and get things to work for your favor. 
Amen. He says, your name now will be called Israel. Contender with God. Uh -huh. For you have contended and have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Amen. Mm. Now, let me put it together. You can sit. So, we said, when you are going to face your Esau, what to do when you're going to face your fears? You heard what Jacob did when he started. Even after saying those prayers that were like simple prayers of just quoting scriptures, Lord, you said this, Lord, you said this, he still felt, I'm still afraid. I still don't have a breakthrough yet. This is how you pray. By the way, I'm teaching you also prayer now. From tomorrow, we're starting to pray. Okay. Sometimes there are some prayers where you pray for something and you know in your heart you've got it. You've got peace about it. Then that's fine. Sometimes you pray and you still have fears. You pray and you still have fears. Now it's time to contend. <coughs> it's time to intercede. It's time for intense exertion. Amen. It's time. Amen. So when there are different kinds of prayers, it's exactly for this reason that for some of the things, you can get them by just declaring. Some of the things you can get them just with thanksgiving. Some of the things you can just get them by petition. Some of the things you get them by supplication. But there are some things that you will need to intercede. Intense, with intense exertion. So if you are trusting God for something and you still have fears, face Esau by facing God first. Now he says, you have contended and have power with God and with men and has prevailed. In other words, if you go to God first and you win your battle in the spiritual then you are assured of your victory in the natural. Tell your neighbor, if you win your battle in the spiritual, then you are assured of victory in the natural. That's why, tell your neighbor, that's why you must never face Esau before facing God. Did you get that? Amen. Amen. So because from here, now you will see how, how, how things start working out. Okay? After that he said, what's your name also? And the man said, why do you ask for my name? And after that we picked up, it was actually the angel of the Lord. Okay? Some scholars claim to say whatever is referred to as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. It refers to Jesus Christ before he came. It's not an angel of the Lord where it talks about the angel of the Lord. And usually he would be referred to in singular all the time. But that's what scholars say. So we can only tell you it was the angel of the Lord. But the way that Jacob saw it, he says, I have actually seen God. I was wrestling face to face with God. Maybe finish, finish reading it and then we'll wind down. Then Jacob asked him, tell me, I pray you, what in contrast is your name? But he said, 
Why is it that you ask my name? And the angel of God declared a blessing. The angel of God. So whoever was called that man, now he is referred to as the angel of God. Uh Declared a blessing on Jacob. So, and again, an angel cannot bless you. So whoever this angel of God was, he was somebody who has power, who had power to bless. You get that? He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then he conferred a blessing on him. Continue. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, the face of God, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and my life is spared and not snatched away. So you are saying, in essence, actually, I was contending with God. Do you have your face-to-face moment with God? Ask your neighbor. When last did you have a face-to-face moment with God? When last did you have an intense exertion? As if you are desperate. Amen. Since the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been suffering violence. And the violent take it by force. So it means, as we are facing this year of plentiful harvest, wherever there are things that are contrary to what you are believing God for, whatever is trying to guard against your harvest, blocking you from your harvest, have time of intense exertion with God. Win it in the spiritual realm. And when you face Esau, because when you read the next chapter, Okay? The next chapter you will read yourself at home. So actually when he came now and when they were to meet, this is what he did. Okay? I'll tell you. For free. So what he did is he even made them like the ones who should be more in front. He actually was showing who he loved most. So what he did, you remember he had the 11 sons, the two concubines, Leah and Rachel and himself. So what he did, he said the concubines and their children should be in front. Followed by guess, Leah and her children. Then Rachel and Joseph. Yeah, is there in your Bible, the next chapter. That's the strategy that he had. That if things are hot, you can kill those ones first. (laughs) Yeah, it's there in your Bibles. But when he then moved and he went in front, after they arranged them like that, just when he was meeting Esau, the Bible says Esau came and kissed him, hugged him, and he was very happy for him. And then Jacob tried to say, I've got some things here for you, some presents. He said, no, my brother, I'm also blessed. You don't really need to give me anything. He said, no, but I, I really would be happy if you take something. He said, no, I've got plenty, just like you, my brother. Let's go back together. And then the Bible says, Jacob said, but now because of the children and the animals, we won't keep up the speed that you people are going back, so you can go back ahead of us. We'll get you. That was it. 
Look what happens to Esau if you first go to God. Amen. Check with your neighbor. Did you see that? That's a secret. The reason why many of you are always afraid of Esau, you are not spending enough time with God. Amen. Whoever your Esau is, you spend enough time with God and not focus more on Esau. Keep on saying, God, but you said this. But God, you said this. Amen. So let's wind down. In winding down, let me touch a bit on tithe and offerings, which would also be linked to us going to give our tithe and offerings. I just want to touch on this uh, aspect of in Deuteronomy 14, 23b, in the TLB, the Living Bible. Uh, Mr. MJ, you know I like this one, so you can read it for us. Deuteronomy 14, 23b, in the TLB. I want you to understand this because that scripture that says this, the children of Issachar understood the times and understood what should be done. So today we talked about determination. And we saw what you need to do. Sometimes when Esau, when you are afraid of Esau. Okay? But now, it's also that you cannot afford not to tithe. You know that there are some people who say, I'm, I'm so desperate, my things are not working out that I can't tithe. You actually need to tithe even more. Because you are in trouble anyway. And you won't get out of that hole unless you start believing God. You can't get out of that hole unless you start being obedient to God. You can't get out of that hole unless you start exercising your faith, giving by faith, and seeing what God can do. Because your style of living in fear and not tithing, you've done it for many years, is it working? It's not working. Surely it's not working. If it was working, you should have been far by now. So it means it's not working. Change the tactics. Believe God. Amen. Amen. So read. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Okay. That's the purpose of tithing. It's not because God is desperate for, you, for whatever you have. God can do without you, but you can't do without God. Tell your neighbor, God can do without you. But you cannot do without God. So he says the purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in our lives. So the question is, is God first in your life? Can we see that with your tithe? Huh? You know that it's very easy to say God is first. God is number one. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is number one. So if SARS is number one, we need to see that indeed SARS is number one. Obviously, this is what happened when Jesus was born. You know why Jesus was born in a manger, in a stable? Because there was no room for him in the inn. So if Jesus is so precious and people say he is indeed the son of God, don't you think he should have been born in a very best place of the time? Yeah. 
But people didn't have room for him in the inn. And this is still the same thing that's happening now. Does Jesus have room in your budget? Ask your neighbor. Does Jesus have room in your budget? Because in this year of plentiful harvest, it won't work by wishing. It won't work by wishing. You need to do what God has said. So, if you say that, if the Bible says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life, it means God wants to know if my heart values me above everything else. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to obey him. Because I need him more than ever. I don't want anything to stand between me and my God. Because actually in the book of Malachi it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse of God that there may be food in my house. Prove me now herewith and see if I will not open windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that there will not be room enough to contain. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And then verse 12 says, and all the people will call you blessed when they see that you have a delightsome land. So surely, God is not saying he wants us to tithe to our disadvantage. He wants to put us in sure footing so that he can distinguish us from people of the world. But we should put him first. Amen. We should put him first. And let God be first in our lives. So in this year of plentiful harvest, can we expect more from God when we are also being faithful in what we need to do? Because sometimes, I'll conclude with this one. Luke 16, 11, in the Amplified. Because some people, even in the work of the Lord, there are people who want God to use them mightily. But they can't be trusted with money. A simple thing like money. Do you know that money is a natural thing? Ask your neighbor, do you know that money is a natural thing? So if you can't be trusted with something natural, how do you expect God to trust you with spiritual riches? Hmm? It's not me saying it. Let, let, let the Bible say it. Read it. Luke 16, 11, Amplified. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the case of unrighteous mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, who will entrust to you the true riches? Is it me saying that? Is the Lord Jesus saying it? So he says, if you can't be trusted with a simple thing like money, who can then trust you with the true riches? People want God to use them and entrust them with the mysteries of the kingdom when they can't be trusted with a simple thing like money. That's why you find even in churches, you hear people even stealing church in man, money in church. Hmm. They can't be trusted even with a simple thing like money. Tell your neighbor, money is so simple. You should be trusted at least with that one. Especially when we, are, we want God to trust you with bigger things. If we want God to trust you, to trust us with bigger things, surely we cannot fail the money test. Do you know that the money test is a very simple thing? Can I, let me give you this one final example and we're going to give. The Bible is, by the way, these things are all in the Bible. So I have to tell you, 
Because if I don't tell you, you may look to me like I'm a good preacher, but I'm not telling you the full truth. So I need to tell you the full truth. It's not even, you see, here we are using it about your level of growth in the Lord, that if you expect God to use you in greater things, at least you should pass the mind test first. But do you know that even in salvation, Jesus once used that one? Just to get into the kingdom. The Bible says there was this rich young ruler. Remember the story. A rich young ruler comes to Christ and says, good master. You know when people want, want something from you, they will start to praise you. Good master. What can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, where is this thing of good coming from? No one is good unless the Lord makes that person good. Okay? On our own, we cannot be good. He said, you know the commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. He says, yes, uh, that I've already been doing since I was a youth. From my old days, I've been doing all these things. What still remains? Jesus said, go and sell everything you have and give. What? The Bible says he went away sorrowful. And do you know he didn't go and sell everything he had? Hmm. He stuck with his riches and lost their kingdom. And what did Jesus say? How hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not saying we cannot prosper. It's saying if you are still held down and bound by money, you are not yet ready for the kingdom. Amen. Can things change in our lives this year? Hmm? Hmm. Whether it's about facing your ISO, whether it's about you being obedient to God, whether about the things that you've been planting, the seeds that you are not proud of. Like when he was asked, what's your name? Jacob. Whispering. So there are many things that you are not proud of that you would want to just whisper it. But God wants to change your name. Amen. 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 God wants to declare you an Israel. Somebody who is able to contend with God and stand in the gap. Somebody who knows how to walk in love. Somebody when we say tomorrow is from tomorrow till Friday is our week of prayer. You said I've been waiting for this. Amen. And therefore if you do that this will be indeed a year of plentiful harvest for you. Amen. We can stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard.